You ready? As I'll ever be. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of THC, True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. Hello. Hi, everybody. It's fucking October, bitches. Hey, happy October 2nd now. Mm-hmm. But happy start to spooky season. Spooky, spooky. It's our favorite time of year. We've already done a lot of things to kick off the season. We're going to tell you all about them. But first... How's it going, B? How was your week? Week sucked big ass balls, but ended on a high note with you. That's right. Mm-hmm. So because it was so bad, I decided, fuck it. I shut the office down at one and you did me a solid, squeezed me in at two. And I have to get your hair done. Halloween hair. It's so cute. It's so cute. We did like a dark purple on the root and then some purple streaks, but then also some orange and some green. Yeah, the orange and the green are new and I'm loving it. <laughs> very Halloween-y. Very, very exciting. I loved it. We went afterwards and got some margs. Not just any marg. We got a campfire marg. What was it? It was Night at the Cabin? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which was ironic on so many levels. One, it was October 1st. Right. Start of spooky season. Night at the Cabin just makes sense. We were both wearing our Friday the 13th everything earrings Mm -hmm. and you had the night off because your husband husband took your daughter for for, a night at the cabin for a night at the family cabin. So it just made sense. So this margarita had at least tequila, grapefruit juice and some other stuff. I don't know what the other stuff was, which was reminiscent to our last week's episode because we added the grapefruit drink to the margarita to the margarita. And this one, though, he took a sprig of dried rosemary Correct. and lit it on fire. So, yeah, that was great. Exciting. Super fun. Yeah. Really and here time. we are on a lovely Saturday night. It's getting a ready. beautiful evening. Gorgeous. Oh, so nice. Our leaves are starting to turn colors. It's happening. It's all happening. So we celebrated October 1st, like we just said. And we've already decorated our houses for Halloween. Of course. You've done the inside and outside. You're still working on the outside, I'm sure. Oh, I will always be working on the outside. Yes. Up until the day I will be working on the outside. Yours is so elaborate. It's a lot. I'm going to wait maybe a week to do mine, let the landscaper come one more time. But I did do the whole inside. Well, you also have like a frozen themed birthday party coming up, don't you? Which I totally forgot about when I decorated. Mm -hmm. So now my daughter gets to turn four next week for her frozen birthday. It's going to be frozen meets Halloween. It's going to be great. It's going to be the best. It's going to be bats and pumpkins and skulls and Anna and Elsa and snowflakes. I can't wait. Uh I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Other than that, let's see. What did I write down here? Oh, so our hardcore fans, our true listeners will realize that last week's episode and probably this week's episode, I'm trying out not doing the intro and Mm -hmm. I need your guys' feedback of what you think of that. Do you you love the intro? Are you attached to it? Do you care if it's there or not? Right. Because you asked me and I didn't notice. Yeah. You don't care if the intro is there or not. Mm Mm-mm. The intro is not hard to do, but it is one extra thing added to my plate. And it just feels like by the time we're done with research, recording, and then I spend a good chunk of my time, I can never say it, editing the podcast. I mean, just coming up with the drink alone. It's stressful. Yeah, that alone. All I can think about is that we're 50 episodes deep and I'm already running Running out of drinks. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to repeat. Of course. Like last week. One 
so last week, if we would have done it beginning, we've already used cocaine for our party monster episode. Yeah. So. I know. Like, what else are you going to do for the goddamn episode about blow? <laughs> and Boston George. Yeah. Anywho, let us know what you guys think. If you are attached to the intro, maybe I'll figure out a way to get really professional and just have a standard intro that's the same every week like mm-hmm. not customized mm-hmm. and i can just tack it on at the beginning okay. so i'm not because what's happening is we are i set up we record i break it all down go back into my house with it set half of it back up so i can edit yeah and then i have to bust back out the microphones write the intro record yeah. put on the track edit that and it just feels like extra. Like you said, one added step. Is so y'all necessary. let us know mm-hmm. if you are really in love with it. We'll figure out a way to keep the intro. If not, then maybe we just let it go. Woo! Either way, it doesn't matter. So leave a comment on THC podcast on Instagram and let us know. Speaking of comments, I saw, I don't remember who it was, but you asked like for input on what they thought last week's episode was going to be. Yeah. And someone th- thought it was going to be Snowtown. Yep. And I thought that was such a good guess. Such a good guess. Yeah. The best. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I had another person send me pictures of Halloween wreaths, like door wreaths. Mm-hmm. And I have to show them to you. I'll show them to you after the podcast. Of course. Because you'll love them. Of course. Speaking of things you'll love, did we talk about this last week? The Vans came out with their... I don't know that we talked about it. Movie I line? think it came in like between. Yeah. Yes, Vans has their whole horror movie line, and we're very excited about it. Just take all my money. Mm -hmm. Take it all. And they have what, B? Fucking fanny packs. I don't know if we've addressed this on the podcast, that you're a fanny pack-aholic. Yeah, it's a big deal. B has been into fanny packs, what, since college? Long time. So that was Mm -hmm. like 2004. To be fair, my dad rocked a fanny pack. I think most dads in the 80s yeah. and 90s did. Mm-hmm. And like he even had the beer koozie one where yes, you could like sling King. it aqua- across your shoulder and it would like keep at least a six pack. God love we it. We take it hiking. <laughs> <laughs> and you wonder why you turned out the way you turned out. You take it hiking. Hey, at least he took you on a fucking hike. Hey, right. We were outside. We were moving. There were waterfalls. It was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah uh-huh so you're obsessed with fanny packs i know for sure they had what was it a nightmare on elm street pack yeah it had the claws mm-hmm. very exciting oh my gosh i can't i'm obsessed with the lost boy shoes you're obsessed with the the friday the 13th friday the 13th shoes. mainly because i like that style of vans and i don't right. have that style of vans yet and because um, they're very detailed. There's a lot going on. They're busy. And I like a busy look. And then I don't know which which one it is because it's the Vans high tops, but they're like black and yellow. I think that's... Is it The Shining? I don't know, but I thought they were really cool too. Yeah. It reminded me a little too much of Batman. Just the black and the yellow. Reminds me of Hufflepuff, so... <laughs> okay, we talked about Halloween decor. Bailey's hair... Whether or not we should keep the beginning, Vans. I think I'm out of things to talk about. Yeah. You got anything else? So after we parted ways, I did one episode of Only Murderers in the Building. How was it? I'm not sure yet. Okay. What I can say is I like how very um, it revolves around a podcast. Oh, that's how they bond. Interesting. Is they're all obsessed with the same podcast. So that's kind of cute. But as far as like the story development and just it was a little slow. Might be a slow burn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. 
Um, I know we're not talking too much about, is it Gabby Paterno? Yeah, sure. But how happy will you be if Dog the Bounty Hunter is the one to bring that piece of shit <laughs> right. in? Um, I will never stop laughing. I will laugh for the rest of my life about that shit. Because not only is it going to just be entertaining, imagine Lifetime's going to do that movie and then I get to be Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. <laughs> The thing where he had he hired a plane to have like a banner uh, yeah, fly uh, around. What was it? A house or a campsite uh, or a what did it say? Like audio? No, or... it said like I'm like I'm coming for you, dog or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker's doing the most. I will absolutely die if he finds him before the FBI though. Die. Right. All right, guys. If you are listening and want to play our game, our drinking game, we do this every week. You saw how much effort I put in to finding little tidbits for our drinking yeah, game as, while I was doing my hair. <laughs> as Bee's hair was processing at my salon, she was looking up all of her little connections. Because you always ask, you're like, how do you know this shit? Yeah. You, you got to see Hours of research. Yeah, you got to see it. So really quick, take a drink or a chug or a shot or a smoke of whatever you got in your hand. doesn't have to be booze or weed. Anytime we mention a badass big sister, Reference an old THC podcast episode. If we're not in the pod shed, which we are tonight, mm-hmm. um, if we spill something, mm-hmm. if if we mention monk, and then there's the oh, if we cheers, there's always one I forget. If we reference the show as in the TV show monk, or if we cheers, so we'll get it going right now. Cheers, and we're back to just good old fashioned dark horse wine, mm-hmm. our go to, our mm-hmm. favorite. It tastes so fucking good just compared to the random shit we've been trying out. For real. Mm -hmm. So refreshing. The best. Mm -hmm. And anytime that I buy other wine, because maybe Dark Horse isn't on sale, but something else is. And I'll be like, ooh, this one's actually like the original price is more expensive Mm -hmm. than Dark Horse's original price. So you try it. Yeah. It's it's either fine or not as good. Right. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Dark Horse Wine, we are not affiliated. Mm-hmm. We would love to be, though. Oh, my God. If we could get a Dark Horse sponsorship. First of all, T- you will kill us. Dark Horse sticker. <laughs> a sticker for our laptop? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I actually might put it on my car. <laughs> People if, need to know. What if it said, my other ride is a Dark Horse? Ooh. Yeah, people might get weird about that. <laughs> I might think it's something crazy. <laughs> all right. This is episode 55, you animals. We are doing the air quote possession of Annalise Michael. And that is the inspiration for what movie, B? The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And have you seen that movie before? I had not. I didn't want to. Wow. Because there became a whole obsession with like possession movies. There There was a a run there and it was like The Haunting of Connecticut and like all of those movies kind of came out back to back to back. Exactly. So no, I did not. I have seen it, but it was like when it first came out okay. so besides and i could be mixing it up with other right that's possession what, yeah that's what i'm saying there was so much there for a minute so i don't remember a ton because mm-hmm. there were so many teenage girls possessed mm-hmm. for a while yeah but i have seen it once Perfect. a long long time ago because it's a little bit older than you think it is isn't it i'm trying to remember isn't it like 2005 i think so yeah, yeah it's pretty old uh-huh. it's okay you don't have to look it up no nope, you're absolutely it's right your turn. you're absolutely right all right, I got everything from an article on our favorite, All Things Interesting, Woo. an article by written by Gabe 
Paoletti for Ooh. All Things Interesting, mm-hmm. an article written by Shelley Barclay for historicmysteries.com. Ooh. And this is my favorite one, an article written by Michael Get I think it's Gettler. Okay. For the Washington Post in 1978. So okay. it was right after all of this stuff happened. So it was a at the time a like a modern article. Yeah. Like a, up-to-date article right interesting so michael if you're still alive or if somebody knows michael gettler nice thanks dude great article very well written i like reading those articles that happened right around the time the case happened yeah they always have more detail than the looking back yeah Yeah, of course they Uh do all righty guys we're gonna start off 1952 in bulvaria western germany september 21st which on a side note, is my little sister's birthday. Wow. So her and Annalise share a birthday. Okay. Annalise is born, and she is born into a very religious, devoutly Catholic family that's pretty much the norm for, I think, Germany as a whole, but it's a pretty super religious family. They go to mass twice a week, yada, yada, yada. She is a very pretty brunette girl but she has always been a little on the reserved side so she grew up kind of buying into this like hyper religiousness of her parents right Right. when she's 16 she has an episode at school where she blacks out and she starts kind of walking around very dazed her friends uh describe it like she's in a trance-like state but she has no memory of this happening But it doesn't happen again for a whole year. So a year after this happens, a similar thing. She wakes up in a trance-like state, and this time she wets the bed. And then her body starts convulsing violently, and she starts having uncontrollable shaking. Okay. Her parents take her to the doctors, who send her to a neurologist, and she gets diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy, which comes with seizures, memory loss, visual and auditory hallucinations. This can also cause this temporal lobe epilepsy can cause, I'm going to fuck it up, Geschwind syndrome. And one of the side effects of Geschwind syndrome is hyper-religiosity, which I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Okay. But hyper-religiosity And if I'm saying it wrong, fucking sue me. This comes with increased, usually intense religious feelings and philosophical interests. Patients experiencing frequent auras perceived as numinous. Don't know what that is. (laughs) Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. In character, exhibit greater isotol and in her isotol spirituality. Some auras include ecstatic experiences. It has been claimed that many religious leaders may exhibit this form of epilepsy. These religious feelings can motivate beliefs within any relig- any religion. Hmm. I think that's important because after the diagnosis, they do put her on medication and the meds never quite work. So she ends up going to college in 1973 where she starts having disturbing visions during her prayers and hallucinations. And she starts having a very strong aversion to like religious figures, pictures, statues, holy water. She starts this really religious girl all of a sudden like can't be anywhere near that stuff. Yeah. An older friend of her parents is with her 
for whatever reason, some get together. And she remarks that she smells hellishly bad. Oh. And she recommends that maybe they take her to see a priest. Now she's starting to see the face of the devil. And she has demons whispering in her ear, telling her that she's damned and she's going to rot in hell. And she's getting to the point where now she's starting to think that she's possessed. Yeah. They go to see multiple priests and pretty much all of these priests tell them to seek medical help. Mm -hmm. They're like, we can't help you. You need to see a doctor. Well, that's fair. Mm -hmm. Good good on them. However, the family's not really buying it. They've already tried medical help. It didn't work. The medication didn't work. Yeah. So they think that they need a solution outside of medicine. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting worse. We're spiraling at this point. She's ripping off her clothes. She's compulsively doing squats to the point where she's doing up to four to six hundred a day. Oh, my gosh. She will crawl underneath the table and bark like a dog. She'll do that for days on end. She's eating bugs and she's eating coal and she's biting the heads off dead birds. She's even urinating on the floor and licking it up. Oh, okay. So we have a problem. Yeah. We have a big fucking problem. We have a situation. Uh-huh. So the mom finally finds a priest, Ernst Alt, who does believe them. And after watching Annalise decides... It, quote, doesn't look like an epileptic. No. So thanks for your expert advice, Ernst. Mm -hmm. And Annalise even writes to him herself, basically begging for help. Anything. Anything. So he steps up. He contacts the local bishop who is in charge of approving, asking for Mm -hmm. exorcisms. Yeah. He grants the exorcism. And the exorcism is to be formed, be performed by another priest, Arnold Renz. But it's supposed to be done in secret. Okay. Ten months go by of them performing exorcisms on Annalise. In total, they perform 67 exorcisms. Shut your fucking face. They last anywhere from one to four hours at a time. Oh, my gosh. Annalise, during these exorcisms, tells them that she is possessed by six demons, mm-hmm. Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Nero, Fleischman, which is like a like a disowned priest, okay. and Hitler. Oh, Hitler. Hitler made an appearance. So basically, she's got the VIP list of demons yeah. possessing her. Oh. Lucifer, who's the devil. If you's a baddie, you, you're up in this party. Cain, as in like the story of Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. bad guy. Mm-hmm. Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus, okay, bad guy. Nero, I'm not sure what Nero did, but I've heard him talked about a lot as being a baddie. Okay. Then you have this priest who I'm assuming had to do something fucked up in the eyes of the church, mm-hmm. right? And Hitler. Right. So we're talking the VIP table of demons. Love it. Pretty hardcore. That's like... What's that restaurant? Sizzler? <laughs> the Sizzler. What? The, the buffet. The oh buffet of demons. Buffet of demons. Congratulations. <laughs> you just titled the episode. How does it feel, B? Woo! Happy to be here, guys. Maybe that should be. It's always bothered me that we haven't had seven things on our drinking game. Maybe that should be the seventh thing. Anytime that you like name the episode. No, I think anytime we forget a rule is more significant <laughs> than that. Uh, 
Uh, I'll make it a thing. Just you wait. Oh, okay. So don't forget Buffet of Demons because that's going to be, that's it. That's the one, girl. Now, the spirits continuously fight for power over Annalise, even speaking through her mouth. They like to argue with each other a lot, which I'm sure is terrifying. It sounds funny now, though. Would you like to hear the demon speaking? Yes. Through it. We got to wait for this goddamn trick. All right. Trigger warning for disturbing content, y'all. And it's also in German. So we're not going to know what. It's going to literally sound like nonsense. But. The growling. There you go. <laughs> that does there not go, sound guys. like epilepsy. <sighs> it sounds scary. Oh it does sound God. scary. It gives you shivers. And when you see pictures of Annalise, it will give you shivers. This oh. is the shit of nightmares. Of course. So, yeah, if you want to look up the video on YouTube, just look up Annalise Michael. The video will pop up. It has the English subtitles. That's basically the audio of her kind of cussing out the priest and cussing out everybody and basically talking about how damned everybody is that for not being just guttural growl it's really scary right that does not sound like what is she's 18 um at this point yeah probably yeah or no because it's been about four years so early 20s okay but still yeah mm-hmm. at this point annalise when she is herself talks about dying for basically sacrificing herself for the youth of the day and for the priests who are stuck in a modern church. Mm -hmm. So at this point, she's breaking bones and ripping her tendons by throwing herself around and slamming her knees repeatedly on the floor to pray. Ripping tendons? Yeah, and breaking bones. And she's slamming her knees over and over and over again onto the floor to, to pray harder, pray harder. At this point... Priests are restraining her to the bed with chains. They even claim that she is speaking several different languages mm-hmm. at this point that she did not know before the possession. Right. She stops eating or drinking. She believes that she can starve the demons out. She makes that choice to stop eating. And this goes on until she finally dies July 1st, 1976 of malnutrition and dehydration at the age of 23, and she weighs 68 pounds. Ew. It's horrific. And unfortunately, there are pictures you can see. I don't know if I'll post those because they're very graphic. Right. I'm so glad I didn't see those. But basically, she's obviously emaciated at 68 yeah. pounds. She's got these black, sunken in eyes. Of course. Her teeth are falling out. Obviously. Her hair is falling out. Her she's breaking her, her bones. body's eating itself alive. Yeah. It's really, really scary and horrific to see. Oh my God. And it's very scary to think, okay, 
is she possessed by a demon? That's a scary thought. But it's even sadder and scarier to think that she is just suffering from severe mental illness. And instead of giving her treatment, right. they're giving her these possessions for 10 or uh, exorcisms, exorcisms for 10 months. Right. So like as a parent, oh my gosh, to just sit back and watch your daughter just literally waste well, away. We would never. We would put our children in an institution of would be course. the worst case scenario. But my child would have around the clock care in a mental institution right. somewhere. I know. It's just terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. On that note, mom, dad, and the two priests are arrested and charged with negligent homicide. The priests are defended by lawyers paid for by the Catholic Church. The parents are defended by a lawyer who's one of the top lawyers in Germany and defended Nazis in the war crime trials. Oh, fantastic person to have on your side well i mean hitler was involved so maybe hitler sent him <laughs> you never know wow many doctors take the stand and uh what do they do testify yeah they testify that annalise died from a combo uh i say a combo so casually that annalise died of a combination of her epilepsy and mental disorders and extreme religious environment and that her life could have been saved if they would have intervened even up to a week before she died. If wow. somebody would have intervened and stopped it and got her professional medical help, they could have saved her life. Insane. The defense uses audio tapes like the one I just played of you for you. They have 42 hours of audio tapes of Annalise. And they play that in their own defense to try to prove that she was, in fact, possessed. Both priests stick to their guns when they're testifying. They are 100% convinced that she was possessed and that her death actually freed her from her demons. And so that at the end of the day, her death was a good thing. Okay. Her parents agree that she was possessed, but do not agree with the fact that she was freed. They have spoken to a nun who had a vision that Annalise's body is still intact in her grave because of the possession. And these wackadoodles believe that. So they decide to have poor Annalise's body exhumed, exhumed. to see for themselves. At this point, the case has garnered national attention. So hundreds of eyewitnesses show up for the exhumption. Is that a word? No, but I like it. It is now. Mm -hmm. And when they open the casket, lo and behold, a normal level of decay has happened to Annalise's body. Wow. So both priests are found guilty of manslaughter resulting in negligence, and they are sentenced to six months in jail, which is suspended, so they served no time in jail, but they do have to do three years of probation. Mm. Oh, okay. The parents are also found guilty, but they are granted, they are exempt from punishment because they have suffered enough. The only good thing to come out of this actually very sad case is it forced the Catholic church to, cause this was a pretty modern exorcism. Most exorcisms Absolutely. happened yeah. a long time ago, but this happened before the exorcist movie came out. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, this pocket of time, they hadn't had a ton of exorcisms. The exorcism rate really like cranked up after the exorcist came out. Interesting. Everybody wanted to have a fucking exorcism. Okay. But before that, it was still very, very, very niche. Yeah. It actually, ha they hadn't updated their exorcism practices, I believe, since the 1600s. Well, yeah. So they were using techniques 
on so Annalise that were from the 1600s. So because this was such a modern case and newspapers were reporting on it and TV programs were yep. reporting on it, it forced the Catholic Church's hand to modernize their exorcism practices. And even that, it still took them decades to come up with anything. Crazy. Basically, what it is now is that if you perform an exorcism, either the because it's usually closed to civilians. So basically, you have to have a priest on hand who has medical knowledge or a medical background. Yeah. So that way they can physically take care of the patient, the victim, the right. whoever, right, the right, body. Right, right. While the exorcism is being performed. So nothing really good came out of it. But I guess if that is a good thing, then there you go. And that is the possible possession and exorcism. Definitely failed exorcism of Annalise Michael. For real, though. Crazy shit. Everyone hold while B figures out the joint situation. Right. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> Anyways, what? what do you think, B? It's interesting because it does have similarities to the movie, but just the extreme neglect and just, you know, hearing that poor girl. Yeah. And there was something they were doing and it was a big word I couldn't understand and I didn't look it up, but there was something that they were doing that was from the 1600s that nowadays would be seen as like, barbaric oh my god and when she was too weak to be able to do this with the priests when she was like too weak to handle what they were doing her parents were the ones that were physically holding her up and forcing her to do it no way yeah so yeah the, it's just sad all the way around the movie really doesn't go that hard into it and i feel fortunate that they didn't Exorcism of Emily Rose, 2005, not to be confused with our other exorcism type episode. Which is The Exorcist. Seven. Whoo, lucky number seven. So long ago. And I will say a couple things. One, you're wearing the same outfit from that episode. And two, that episode on The Exorcist, we were having a lot of technical difficulties. Yeah. And guess what, guys? It's been rough. We're having a lot of technical difficulties. So mm -hmm. I don't know if the devil's real, but if he Something's is, up. something out there is not happy with and us. another fucking train? What? <laughs> what back-to-back -back trains So today? many trains. I know. Something is not happy with us talking about this. Spooky season. We see nothing but black as we open to ungodly sounds screams for someone named Emily. There's an old farmhouse that looks almost abandoned. The crops have all died. It's freezing cold outside. The wind is howling as an old man approaches the front door and knocks. A woman comes and asks if he's the medical examiner to which he nods in response. Inside, at the table, we see a very concerned family. It's um, like little sisters and friends and whatnot. Friends and whatnot. They're all looking really, all looking sad really and confused. Sad and confused. The dad almost seems the like dad he's in a trance. Almost seems like he's in a trance. He's sitting in the living room mm -hmm. like he's on another in planet. The living room like on another planet. The examiner is taken to the bedroom upstairs, where he's greeted by police officers. And he cannot identify if the cause of death was natural. And it's like when he tries to finish 
explaining to someone how like try to describe the body he just he has no words there's like no description for what he's just seen oh my god right just the look on his face is what we're left with there's a priest father Moore. he's there with the family and he is asked to go with police to the station for further questioning next in the news we see that he's being taken to court accused of negligence resulting in Emily's death. So at this point, we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen Emily. Mm-hmm. I don't know who she is. Right. I don't know what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of left to assume just based on the title of the movie. Right. Attorney Aaron Bruner is played by Laura Linney. Mm-hmm. From fucking Ozark that mm-hmm. we love. Mm-hmm. And Congo. I forgot she was in Congo. Our favorite. Right. Movie. And girl, I know you feel as strongly for Congo I as I do. The most slept on movie. It's, We're the only two people, and Lou, who my husband, is super love fucking Congo. violent. And it's cool. And I believe Ben. I believe us, Lou, and Ben. <laughs> Love the movie Congo. It's amazing. It is amazing. And I forgot Laura Linney was in it, and I love her. All so right, much Laura more. Linney, come through. Mm-hmm. She's assigned to the case as the priest's defense. She's hot right now because she's recently coming off of another case that she won, got a guy off for murder, I believe. Okay. All right. And she's trying to make partner at her firm. So she's hustling. Okay. She's Love to see it. Up for the fucking challenge. Father Moore is kind of hesitant at first when he learns that Aaron is agnostic, and he argues that he doesn't really care about the outcome of mm-hmm. the trial. He's like, all that matters is that we're telling Emily's story. Okay, that's it. Fair enough. And by the way, this takes place in America. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what time, like what era, the the years, but yes, it's definitely America. Well, how are they dressed? Well, there's the farmhouse and then the college and then like the real, I mean, the lawyers dress nice. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it, 80s, 90s? <laughs> Somewhere between the 50s and 2005 <laughs> is when this movie takes place. No, it's place. definitely not dated. I'd say it's more recent. But it's not like, there's not like shoulder pads, right? Okay. So I wouldn't say it's like 80s. And All uh, right, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Aaron goes to meet with Emily's mom at the farmhouse. And in like a flashback, we finally get to see who Emily is. Uh-huh. And it's um, Jennifer Carpenter, who played Deborah and Dexter. Did you ever watch Dexter? No. Well, good. If you haven't, maybe read the books. Because the books There's are... books? The books came first. And you read them? Yes, and they're good. They must be good if you read them. Yeah. So I would definitely give that a recommend to you. Great. Um, We learned that Emily had just gone off to college. She wanted to become a school teacher. And she got herself a full fucking scholarship. Let's go, girl. Like, she's a solid fucking girl. And I guess you would say she's kind of a badass big sister. Oh, really? <laughs> because she's like the first one in her family to actually have goals and yeah. like try to reach out and achieve them and move. And like the mom's really struggling with it. And her mom makes it seem as if this is when everything changes once Emily left for school. Right. But we don't elaborate. 
the state representative offers to have the sentence reduced to reckless endangerment where father Moore would serve 12 months. But Aaron says her client will not be admitting fault and they're going to fucking court. Okay. All right. Let's take it to trial. After a night of red wine and catching up on the case, we see Aaron in bed asleep when her clock stops at 3 a.m. Yes. Uh, how'd I know? Yes. It's always 3 a.m. Or like 3.30 or whatever. But yes, it's always these fucking bewitching hours. Yeah. It's always like 3 a.m. or 3.05 uh-huh. or 3.33. <clears throat> in court the next day, the prosecutor is detailing the medical conditions that they <clears throat> that they believe Emily suffered from, including epilepsy that rendered her physically and psychologically incapable of caring for herself, thus leaving her in the hands of Father Richard Moore's care. They argue that Father Moore convinced Emily to stop taking her medical treatments in favor for a faith-based practice, such as an ex- exorcism, to cure her of her illness. And that he believed um, that everything was being driven by these demonic forces. The first woman to testify used to take care of the kids. I don't know if she was like a nanny or whatever. But she describes Emily as a sickly child who spent her days inside reading while the others played outside. And once she moved to college, it was so overwhelming all the change for Emily that Mm -hmm. she really struggled. She details a night around 4 a.m. when she got a call from Emily at a payphone from the school, hysterical, Mm -hmm. sobbing uncontrollably. Once she calmed down, Emily described being alone that weekend in her dorm and she woke up to the smell of something burning at 3 a.m. Uh Uh-oh. She didn't hear an alarm, but convinced she was smelling fire, she left her room, walked down the hall, and she finds nothing. Nothing's unusual. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to bed. Once inside her dorm room, she's attacked by something that we don't see. Oh. It's just something very heavy on top of her. Right. Okay. She's being pushed into her mattress. Kind of Freddy Kruegerish. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And she's being choked. She's struggling to breathe. And finally it releases her. She goes to the like campus hospital. Mm-hmm. The campus doctor or whatever. They check her for drugs. Of course. Assuming she's high. But they find nothing in her system. So they write it off as epilepsy. Explaining that during an episode, a person could experience a vision Mm -hmm. like this. They do an EEG to test her brain activity. They find enough evidence to get her on a series of medications and advise for further testing that Emily later declined due to her religious beliefs. Mm. And... They hint that this was all at Father Moore's recommendation. Oh, and do do we see her meeting with Father Moore? No. Okay. Mm -mm. Aaron argues that many of the symptoms that they're trying to convince us of that Emily was suffering from um, 
are also symptoms of a psycho psychosis. Right, the disconnecting from reality um, could often be schizophrenia. Yes. Right. Although I will say that I read that part of the type of epilepsy that Annalise has can cause schizophrenia. Okay. So, yeah, it could have been schizophrenia, but it could have been caused by Mm -hmm. her epilepsy. So there you go. And if, in fact, Emily was not epileptic, something the doctors, she claims, never confirmed, that it was in her best interest to stop taking the medication that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Because if anything, it could be making things worse. The next time Aaron's allowed to see Father Moore, he confesses to her that he's put her in danger by allowing her to even work on this case. Right. By being on the case, like he's opened her up to the demons. Oh. Agnostic Aaron tells Father Moore to stop focusing on the forces he can't control and spend more time focusing on the facts that can help her win him the case. Hey, B, what's agnostic? What does that mean? She doesn't believe in anything. Isn't that an atheist? Atheist? I think it's. She's referred to herself as an agnostic in the movie. Let's Google it. Let's Google it. Because I, the reason I'm asking is I've seen agnostic churches. So like eight people who believe in atheism don't have churches. Oh, well, see, I don't know. So I think. I just assume. There are some religious people listening to this right now who are so mad at us right now. Well, I knew going into this episode that I would end up offending every. Hey, do you want to take a real hard left? Did you know Quakers still exist? Yeah. I had no clue. I have a client now who's a Quaker. Yeah. And everything she was telling me about it sound like they're basically like hippie Christians. Okay. They're like Christians, but they don't believe in harming other people. They're. 100% 100% nonviolent, and they believe in loving your neighbor no matter what. Wow. And I was like, I got to be honest with you. I would have a hard time with that. And she's an older lady. And she said, well, to be honest with you, I also have a hard time with that a lot. But that's part of the process. Wow. I was like, okay. Yeah. See, we've talked about this. It's like you can believe in whatever you want as long as you stay in your lane and you don't try to push whatever on us. It says a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or of anything beyond material phenomena. A person who claims neither faith, faith nor disbelief in God. So they're in the middle. Okay. They don't believe in God, but they're not like atheists who say there is no God point blank period. Got it. Agnostics are like, we don't know. Okay. Then Could I would be say anything. I'm an agnostic. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. What a learning opportunity. Always a learning experience here on THC Podcast. (laughs) Okay. During this meeting with Father Moore, we learned that he did meet with Emily at the campus hospital where she was under evaluation. And Emily had convinced herself at this point that she had become possessed. Mm Mm-hmm. Which must be terrifying Mm -hmm. if you really think that. Of course. Things quickly escalate. She's having visions in class. She's disrupting the other students. One night um, during one of these episodes, she's running 
screaming into the rain across the campus into a church. And a male friend of hers, Jason, does see from the distance and follows her. And he watches as her body starts to contort and yell in like a deep fucking voice Mm -hmm. that is clearly not Emily. Don't touch me before she finally collapses to the ground. Next, we see Aaron at a bar drinking a martini. And she hears the news reports on TV that the man she just recently acquitted, that big case, mm-hmm. he's already being accused of another murder. Fantastic. <clears throat> She's a little shook. Yeah. She's a little shooketh over this and goes home, tries to go to sleep, woken up at 3 a.m. to the sound of whispers in the distance. She also, based on what I'm saying, is smelling something because like the first thing she does is go to the kitchen and checks all the burners mm-hmm. right making sure everything's off she's like looking at her fire detectors like everything's good she checks her doors makes sure they're locked gets back in bed oh and remember mm. conjuring one that was how one of the reasons they knew that the mom was possessed because she smelled like rotten meat mm. remember she smelled air quote Hellishly bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In jail, we see Father Moore is also being woken up to the sound of whispers. He sits up in his cell and he prays. Next day in court, Aaron's arriving 15 minutes late. Bef- um, because obviously her clocks keep turning off. Yeah, right? obviously. Uh-huh. Before we hear <clears throat> Emily's autopsy report. That states the cause of death as body and organ failure due to excessive trauma, abuse, malnutrition, making her body so frail it could no longer heal itself. Horrific. The doctor, played by Henry Sinner, was on episode Mr. Monk Gets Hypnotized. God bless him. <laughs> 2008. God bless him. Love this a monk doctor, Dr. Monk, declares Emily must have been suffering from psychotic epileptic disorder in his own terminology, explaining the seizures were the cause of the dilated pupils, the muscle contortions, the psychosis is the cause of the paranoia, the hallucinations, all of this could have been taken care of, controlled by medicine, had Father Moore not interfered. Goddamn. Right. It's pretty damning. I know. Aaron argues Emily had been taking the medication willingly for some time and only stopped because it wasn't helping, which is true, right? She did take the medication in the real case, and it never did seem to help. Right. The piece of shit doctor says that he would have sedated Emily, force fed her the medicine, accompanied by electric shock therapy. Perfect. All against her will because it would have saved her life. Perfect. So I'm not on anybody's side. Everyone sucks. I hate everybody. Everybody sucks. (laughs) Everybody but poor Emily who's Mm -hmm. just going through it. Yeah. As they take a recess, Father Moore asks Aaron why she was late, 
And when she tries to tell him it's because of the power going out and stopping the clock or whatever, he's like, bullshit, you know you're under attack from the dark forces. (laughs) (sighs) The next day in court, Jason, the friend, takes the stand and tells the jury about what he saw and how Emily's experience, to be fair, like based on his description, it reminded me a lot of my pregnancy. It's just that horrific, huh? Well, because he's like, she's always hungry, but she can't eat. Yeah. <laughs> and she can't keep anything down. Yeah. Super sensitive to light and sounds like people chewing mm-hmm. or like ice clinking in a glass. Or your husband typing ta- oh, incessantly oh, on this, his keyboard. Right. And you even offered to give me an exorcism. <laughs> get that demon it, out of you. We, we called her the demon. The baby. demon. Get her the fuck <laughs> out. She was killing my so best friend. I had a really good time with that part. Of no, like we're joking about it, but like you guys had IVs, like your personal IV equipment. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. Your neighbor was a nurse. Uh-huh. And so she would just go set up IVs right, to put to fluids in your alive. body. Who, wow. child. Good times. He describes. So wait, why are you one and done again? I can't remember. Why don't you? Why are you only right? Wait, wait, wait. And they're everyone's who's like, oh yeah, you forget how awful it was. Nope, we remember. Yeah. I remember perfectly. I was even around that much. The <laughs> uh, friend describes a night in her dorm room where he stayed to comfort her, but of course he ended up falling asleep. He wakes up. She's laying twisted on the ground. <laughs> super creepy so scary. not responding he does not take her to the hospital but instead calls her parents and they instruct him to bring her home perfect okay. good plan so in flashbacks we're seeing in the days following that emily clearly got worse she drops out of school not knowing what else to do, the family calls upon Father Moore for guidance. He's like their own family parish. Is that a word? Sure. I don't know. Father Moore finds a screaming, hair-pulling, scratching, biting, bug-eating Emily throwing a fucking fit in her room. Mm-hmm. Emily's dad and Father Moore finally get her restrained. She starts speaking in another language. And she's basically daring the father, like, bitch, come at me. Right. Like, I fucking dare you. Right. Bring it. hmm Not wanting to rely too heavily on, like, the spiritual aspect of everything. Because, like, we're in fucking court, right? You need facts. We need proof. <clears throat> Aaron knows she needs scientific, factual evidence to bring to her defense. And she manages to track down an anthropologist... Dr. Adani, who's familiar with exorcisms because of her studies of spirituality across the different cultures, and she's willing to take the stand. Okay. Dr. Adani believes, based on the facts, that Emily was likely a hypersensitive person, thus allowing the spiritual spiritual world more access due to this vulnerability leaving her more susceptible to being possessed. Okay. She argues that it was the medicine prescribed by the doctors that caused Emily's death because it blocked... Excuse me, I need to drink something. I clearly have fucking cotton mouth. 
<laughs> it's not B's fault, you guys. She just smokes a lot of weed. It's the weed's fault. Mm. So, like, basically, whatever medicine was blocking receptors that caused the exorcism not to work. She's blaming the medicine. Okay. All right. But wait. So, okay, hold on. Let me yeah. try to, let me think this through here. So the medicine was blocking the receptors that kept the exorcism from working, but did still not left cure. her open enough to be possessed in the first place. Well, no. So she was open to becoming possessed and then, and then started taking the medicine, medicine that never worked. And, but it and then blocked it, the exorcism. Yep. Got it. Yes. Convenient. <laughs> Aaron gets a break when a doctor claiming to have been present the night of the exorcism comes forward willing to give his own take on what happened that night. So in this movie, there's only one exorcism? Correct. Oh, there's not 67 there, of them over a 10-month That's why, right? Nope. <clears throat> Crazy. When Aaron questions Father Moore why he would have kept the secret... Right. That this doctor was present. He says out of respect to the doctor, not wanting to drag his name through the mud with his own. Like, I'm already losing everything being associated with this exorcism. I'm not going to fucking ruin this doctor's life, too. Dr. Cartwright tells Aaron that Father Moore reached out to him needing a medical perspective on something and would only trust someone he knew. And he confirms that Father Moore's claims and that he's now willing to come forward because he believes that they're going to lose the case. Dr. Cartwright describes Emily as completely lucid, perfectly capable of describing the different entities living inside of her. Okay. And acted as herself anytime not being possessed by one of those demons. And that this awareness to her own mental state is counter indicative of the psychosis of the defense trying to convince the jury. Right. Uh huh. <clears throat> He's like, crazy people don't know that they're crazy. He hands her a recording that Father Moore had left for safekeeping prior to his arrest. Mm-hmm. In jail, Father Moore is becoming restless having not yet been given the opportunity to actually speak for himself. Okay. So the next day in court, Aaron calls him to, to the stand. And he explains how the church granted the exorcism based on the evidence that he had provided. He stayed up all night practicing and eventually fell asleep only to wake up freezing at 3 a.m., and he describes that as the demonic witching hour. Why is 3 a.m. the witching hour? It has something to do. He they they explained it in the movie. Oh, they do. They do. It's always 3 a.m. for these people. Yeah. It, it's like the three spirits. It's a religious thing. They do the explain Father, it. Father, the son and the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Right. Mm. Something like that. They do. He also smelled the burning, experienced the visions, just like Emily. He believes the demon came to him that night as a warning. Like, game on, motherfucker. Another another train. (laughs) Right? Another train. He chose to hold the exorcism. 
on a dark, stormy Halloween night. Stop it. Yes. On All Hallows Eve or whatever. Oh, this should have been our fucking Halloween episode. Which I was going to bring up, and then I thought if it didn't actually have anything to do with your real case, I'm like, eh. It had nothing to do with my real yeah. case, but it's still fun. I know. So, um, Aaron presents the audio recording taken that night, and at this point, so the jury is only hearing, but mm-hmm. we finally get to see. <laughs> What went down? Is it so scary? No. No. It's a typical exorcism. The the swearing, the thrashing. No vomiting. Thank you very much. That's I lovely. appreciate that. Unlike <laughs> tonight, so which is oh was filled with vomiting. So funny. Emily does eventually break free from the restraints, jumps from her second story bedroom window. And they find her in a horse stable. Oh, so she survived? She does, of course. She survived. She's a demon. Okay, so she survives and runs off to a horse stable. Yeah. Perfect. Unharmed. Great. Unscathed. She reveals her six names. Oh. Before claiming finally to be Lucifer in the flesh. But are the six names the ones I gave you? Yes, but I don't remember Hitler. Oh, man. Maybe they pulled Hitler out of the movie because they were like, that's too crazy. No, I don't remember Hitler. But, but it was yes. Judas and Cain. Ab, and all of them. Yes. Fraction of yes, 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 yes. Um, and it's once she reveals that she's Satan in the flesh that one of the horses freaks out so bad, it breaks free, and it kicks poor Papa Rose right in the head. Oh, I thought it was going to kick Emily in the head. Nope. Dr. Cartwright is taking care of Father Rose as Emily finally collapses to the ground. So once the dad is revived, they abandon the exorcism and they take Emily to her room to rest. And after the failed exorcism, Emily only becomes more violent. She begins smashing her head through windows. She's biting holes in the walls, breaking off her teeth. I have a problem with teeth and nails. Father Moore says that while he wanted to perform another exorcism, Emily refused and he could only do it with her consent. Okay. I think that's interesting. That is interesting. So I feel like all the exorcisms we've read about for this podcast, there's been no consent given. Mm-mm. I'll trade you the responsibility. Of what? Is there? Oh, there's no more wine. Perfect. Can you open it? The can? No. This? Yeah. <laughs> Push the button. Yeah, I know. I'm not my sister. Thank you. All right. So we're going to top it off with the... No, we're not doing ah! it. No. <laughs> You're not going to do it? I don't want a Greyhound. No, uh, thank you. Well, I was just going to like float it. Okay, fine. All yeah. right. Anything you want. Yeah, I'm just going to float it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ugh. B brought back the second Greyhound we never opened last I mean, week. we're not going to waste it i mean you don't have to waste it you can just serve it to one of the people that come over to your house that we don't know very well father moore admits that while he did advise emily to stop taking her medicine he also attempted to get her to continue the doctor visits like even like he gets the medicine wasn't working right and it's like but he never told her to stop trying other options okay hey guess what 
Huh. I spilled. Hey! <laughs> oh, that's the one we did. We didn't even name that one, did we? I think we did. I don't think we did. Oh, God. Anyways, it's I, been so long since we spilled. It happens. Well, I'm taking a drink for that one. You guys drink along. I will we have a spill. I finish my drink. Um, at this point, there was no medical care in the world that could have revived Emily. The only option was to see things through and trust faith yeah how'd that work out (laughs) the state presents school records that show emily studied all of the languages she used while possessed oh snap they argue that tibetan monks can train their vocal cords to manipulate the tones of their voices and that it's possible emily (laughs) <laughs> could have done that as well. I will say it sounds like your Emily had a big difference in her voice. Annalise, while guttural and like growly and deep, was still very obviously a young woman's okay. voice. Okay. It wasn't like when you watch horror movies. It's and a different person. Like the yeah. Conjuring 2 where the little girl takes on the old man's mm-hmm. voice. And you're like, that's terrifying. Yeah. This was still obviously a young woman, but just like a deep guttural young woman's voice. Okay. In real life. <clears throat> not Emily Rose. As if things couldn't get worse. Dr. Cartwright is a no show, which causes another delay in the trial and makes Aaron look Real bad. Motherfucker. Outside of the courthouse, a terrified Dr. Cartwright apologizes to Aaron for not being as strong as Father Moore for walking in front of a car and dying upon impact. Wait, what? So, like, he meets her outside the courthouse, like, I can't do it. And then kills himself? And, huh? Yeah. And it's one of the priests? He no, he's an actual doctor. Oh, the doctor! I thought you said father. The doctor. I was like, he that's said, very against his religion. No, so Doctor Cartwright was saying he couldn't be as strong as Father yeah. Moore. Father Moore, that's where I heard. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And then he jumped in front of a car. Yeah. Man, Aaron tries to calm her nerves with a coffee mug full of whiskey. Girl, listen, you <laughs> right? gotta do what you gotta She's do. She's had the red wine, the martini, like our girl. Our type of girl. While being berated by her, it's like the head of her office, like the person that would be in charge of like recommending her promotion for partnership or whatever. Okay. Is one of the partners. His, this fucking asshole is played by Comb 4 or something like that. <laughs> what? Comb 4? Uh, he was the chief I hated in The Changeling. Wow. Episode. Pig behind bars. Six. Yep. Mm-hmm. Chicken, Chicken Ranch, Ranch from, from hell. hell. Very good. Man. I know. So anyways, he's berating her for allowing Father Moore to even take the stand, exposing the church for sanctioning the exorcism. And they threatened to cut her funds and have her replaced. Oh, my God. But they also know that that would probably cause more attention. So they're like, you have one last chance. Oh, very. Dramatic. You better get in line, Fucking Missy. Get it together. A drunk, emotional Aaron goes to see Father Moore in jail to inform him of his friend's death. And to let him know that she's lost the case. 
right? She's lost all hope. But Father Moore assures her. To have faith. All that matters is that Emily's story gets told. Okay. Right? Nothing else matters. He demands that she allow him to take the stand and finish Emily's story. Okay, let's do it. The look on the church representative's face the next day in court is probably my favorite scene of the whole movie. Really? Just like, bitch, you let him fucking talk again? (laughs) What did we just tell you? She's like, well, I was drunk when you told me that, so it doesn't count. (laughs) I just love how appalled they are. Like, ugh. Aaron asks if Emily was such a good person, so devout to her belief in God, why would God allow her to be possessed and killed by such evil forces? It's a good question. It's a great fucking question. Good question. So on stand, Father Moore tells us Emily wrote her own answer to that very question. The day before her death, she requested Father Moore come to see her so she could give him a letter that she had written the day after the failed exorcism. And in the letter, she writes, that night after the exorcism, she heard a voice calling her name. She followed it outside to a large tree on the property where she said she found the Holy Mother of God, Virgin Mary. I was going to say, the Virgin Mary? The Virgin Man, Mary. Man, she is full of all-stars. Who told her that God is not blind to her pain, but the demons will remain where they are to show the world through Emily that the realm of the spirit is real. Wow, thanks God. Thank you for that Thank job you, for choosing you gave me. me. Amazing. She gives Emily the choice to leave the demons behind in her physical form and go in peace in the spirit realm. Emily chooses to stay, wanting to believe in the end that good could conquer evil. How very Harry Potter of her. Okay. Harry Potter at the end of number seven? I mean, I know. There's so much to unpack uh-huh, here. Uh-huh. Part of Voldemort's soul lives in Harry Potter, and the only way to defeat Voldemort is to kill all seven pieces of his soul. So Harry Potter has to sacrifice his own life, and when he has Voldemort kill him, he ends up at a train station with Dumbledore, who's already dead. What? Is that what you have? No, it's Oh, my God. I thought you were showing me your notes like, yeah, I already wrote that down. No, it's building in. Good. The point is, is Dumbledore gives him the option. Okay. You can either leave the painful world behind and go on. Yeah. For like a peaceful whatever's next. Right. Or you can like go back to the world. That's incredible. And finish this through. If I chooses to go back to the world. If I could make Monk a rule. Then you absolutely get to give me your fucking Harry Potter breakdown. And I um, love it. The monk rule is a 
don't take all the credit. Monk is also my favorite show. No, I know. But I, I forced <laughs> the rule upon you. <laughs> you didn't force the rule upon upon me. I wanted it to just be Tony Shalhoub. Right. Specific. No, but Monk's really working out for it's us. It's better for Monk. Uh, yeah. As an umbrella yeah. situation. I can really tie it in. Anyways, B spilled again, so we have to <laughs> take another drink. Hey. Hey. Hey, you guys, leave a comment. Let me know if you're also a Harry Potter fan. Okay. Where are we? Uh, right above the, above, above the first water, spill, the, 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 the spill giant watermark. <laughs> <laughs> Father Moore says, after this experience, Emily had the same markings as Jesus on the cross. And I believe wow. that's known as Stigmata. Stigmata. That's a great movie, too. Remember that movie? Absolutely. Okay. And this is why it's so important for Father Moore to tell Emily's story because he believes believes that she sacrificed herself, right? She went through all this torture and pain to prove that God's real. Thanks, Emily. When asked why Emily refused another exorcism, Father Moore believes she had accepted her fate and that she was too weak to fight any longer. Dang. The state argues that Emily was not touched by God, but rather touched by herself. Uh, as okay. She could have self-inflicted those wounds on the barbed wire fence that surrounded the property. Okay. It's now up to the jury to decide who killed Emily Rose. The devil or the defendant? Do we believe the facts or the possibilities? <laughs> okay. What did the jury decide? They find Father Moore guilty of negligent homicide. Yep. Now, in a real curveball for me, something I did not expect, at Father Moore's request, he sentenced immediately. And by recommendation of the jury, he gets sentenced to time served. So whatever time he already did in jail was good enough. Yeah, he gets to, I, that's basically what happened in real life. Yeah. yeah, and he gets to leave a free man. Yep. And I was just like blown away by that. Aaron and Father Moore hug as everyone leaves the courtroom. Aaron's firm considers this a win as well as the church. So he... She gets offered the partnership, but Aaron declines because now she's not sure what to believe. Oh. And she isn't sure if she's fighting for good or evil. Okay. Right? Father Moore does not go back to the parish. He says, once you've seen that kind of dark... Oh, Oh, wow. Late in the game. Oh, shit. We went right back to recording. I didn't even press anything. Hello. <laughs> Fuck me. <coughs> That's why we've been friends for so long. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> and we're back. I remember the last thing you said. I, I, I know where I'm starting off. <laughs> 
Father Moore does not go back to the parish, saying once you've seen that kind of darkness, you will carry it with you forever. And he doesn't want to bring that upon anyone else, somewhat blaming himself for what happened to Dr. Cartwright. As the movie ends, we see Emily's grave. I'm going to fuck this up. What is it? Phil- Philippians? Philippians? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, verse. Philippians. <laughs> Philippians. <laughs> oh my God, B. We haven't even drank that much. Come on. We can do this. <laughs> Something verse 212. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, which seems really fucked up. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> fucked up thing to put on her gravestone. What? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look, you don't want to get me started on the topic, but there's a lot of fucked up things in the Bible. And that's just, I'm going to end the movie with that. Great. Yeah. How was the movie? A lot more court. It sounds like it. It sounds like there wasn't a lot of the possession of Emily Rose. And of the possession. Like, we could have done that shit. Like, I can fucking lay on the ground and contort my body in some weird. Like, it wasn't really aggressive. It was not very violent. So then I'm definitely thinking of a different movie. Because the movie I'm thinking of, the girl was like climbing the wall. No. Never was she climbing the walls. Okay. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Like you said, um, the squatting, right? Like just lots of squats. Well, not Her even... demons are very into physical health. You don't see her like doing the squats, but just like she was more crawling on yeah. like the ground and like eating the bugs uh, and the... Yeah, I don't like but... that. But you don't get a lot of it. No. And it's all in flashbacks and Okay. It was slow like i really i did enjoy laura linney i thought she did great um to be fair i never really liked jennifer carpenter in dexter and i haven't really been able to like her. and she's emily right yeah okay Mm -hmm. and then i didn't know anybody else in the movie so it sounds like it's a rare case where the real true story is creepier and Absolutely. scarier than the movie. Yeah, what you told me is way scarier. Because I feel like it's normally opposite. Like yeah. the movie, they they ratch everything mm-hmm. up to be scarier. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like the real case was scarier. Yeah. No, they went the the lawyer the courtroom yeah. route. So how many knives? Oh. Eh. Two. <laughs> Oh, my God. A two-knife review? I mean, if you're going to call it exorcism of Emily Rose. I want to see some exorcisms. And the girl, the actual fucking girl went through what you, like, hell, 40? No, 67. 67? (laughs) 67 exorcisms. And I barely get to see all of one? Yeah. All right. And, yeah, I just, eh. Okay. Two-knife review. Make of it what you will. All right. What's your look of the week? Because we are bringing it back. This this has been the most reused prop. This is probably, so of all the things we scored, the haunted house, in the town, up the hill, from where we live. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyways, you guys got a bunch of old, like, there was a haunted house going out of business, and they were so giving much, away stuff yeah, or we got, selling stuff. Right. Of all the random shit we got, this one dress, this nightgown. Has given us the most THC use. Mm-hmm. I know you have them. So Mm-mm. name them off. What are the episodes be that we have done this for Bees Look of the Week? So we already mentioned episode seven, Polish Your Crucifix. Episode 16, Hell's Bells for the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch. And you recently posted about this one, episode 42, the Teresa Noor. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's all on the Instagram recently. Yep. Yeah. Check it out. And now it's this look of the week. Back so on it's my like a, body. It's an old timey looking nightgown. Which, what is that with exorcism movies? Why are they always in nightgowns? I when have you ever worn a nightgown? Well, I was going to say, I think it's like a time. Like, in the 70s, they wore nightgowns? Yes, Vi. Yes, okay. They wore nightgowns. Absolutely. Ask my grandma, who still gets me and my mom, like, high-necked, long-sleeved nightgowns. Yeah. Floor-length nightgowns. Like, we're going to... Who are we? Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> what are we doing with these nightgowns? <laughs> and so you asked me why I had a drill. The flashlight. Oh, it was a flashlight. I'm gonna. We gotta try to illuminate the tree. You gotta get me from behind. Oh, it's like the picture for the movie is her. Oh, I thought you were gonna contort yourself on the floor. I mean, I could try, but I contorted myself for The Exorcist, right? From that was so good. Zoe's bed. Take a deep dive into our Instagram and find. Was it episode seven? Yeah. Those those Exorcist pictures are so fucking good and remember violet helped me she drew the chalk on the dress to help it look like the the vomit yeah Yeah. Uh and we did we and i think lila helped us because she held up the blanket as a background Uh Uh uh-huh so you didn't see all the stuffed animals behind you yeah so i figured we already did that so i'm gonna go with the the outside going towards the tree where i meet my virgin mary perfect yeah can't wait yeah Fantastic. Well, to see pictures of that, go to THC podcast on Instagram. We'll post it. That's the only social media I do. But if you have a minute, we'd love a five star review or a like comment. A heart, a bell, a thumb, <laughs> Any a jingling, a ling, a tingling, jingling. Anything else you want to talk about, B? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't have anything either no. except for it is spooky season so all of october we are doing we're going spooky, out there weird fun paranormal episodes i have a couple up my sleeve that i'm really excited to tell you about but i'm going to keep them a surprise Ooh. but i'm going to try to make each one a little different so it's not just possession haunting possession haunting yeah try to like switch it up a little bit so this is October 2nd. You guys will be hearing this, what, on the 4th? Mm-hmm. Right? 4th or 5th? The 5th, because you do Tuesdays. Right. Yeah. So you guys will get a few from us for spooky season, Halloween, October. And other than that, I can't think of anything else to talk about. I'm a little drunk, so probably time to wrap it up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'm like trying to come up with something clever and it's like just the fact that I'm having to think right now. I'm like, that's time to cut it. Time to cut it. Right. All right. We love you and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.